It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Vice. What do you say? I want you to be my VP. I want you. You're my vice. Well, George, I, uh, I'm the CEO of a large company. And I have been Secretary of Defense. And I have been White House Chief of Staff. The vice presidency is a mostly symbolic job. Uh-huh. However, if we came to a uh, different understanding, I can handle the more mundane jobs, overseeing bureaucracy, military, energy, and uh, foreign policy. Yeah, right. I like that. When you have power, people will always try to take it from you, always. Are you even more ruthless than you used to be? So we gonna do this thing or what? I mean, is this happening? I believe we can make this work. <laughs> Hot damn. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Vice, and the story is as follows. Governor George W. Bush of Texas picks Dick Cheney, the CEO of Halliburton Co., to be his Republican running mate in the 2000 presidential election. When Bush becomes victorious, Cheney uses his newfound power to help reshape the country and the world. The film is starring Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Sam Rockwell, Allison Pill, and Jesse Plemons. It is written and directed by Adam McKay. Joining me for this review, I have Tom O'Brien. Hi, everybody. Celia Shalekaway. Hey there. Danilo Castro. How's everybody doing? Josh Williams. What's going on, everybody? And... A lovely guest, one of my favorite guests, one of my best friends even, from Incession Film, J.D. Duran, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, Vice, one might call it the most divisive film of the Christmas season. (laughs) Damn it. Yeah. That should have been the tagline for the poster. I know, seriously. They should have just embraced it like Mother did last year and just like ran away with it, you know? Um, (laughs) But man, oh man, what a split we have with this movie. Uh, I'm going to just spoil it for everyone. I myself am positive uh, on the film. I know some people are in the middle. Some people absolutely hate it. We have enough people here to hopefully get a wide range of opinions. But let's first start off with our guest here jd what did you ultimately think of vice uh 
Well, first of all, I guess let me set up that I was very much looking forward to this film. I was a big fan of The Big Short in 2015. Understandably, it has a unique uh, editing structure and flair that isn't for everybody. But I like how McKay took something so convoluted and made it palatable and funny and entertaining. But there was also a human component to that film that balanced the anger that came from um, much of what, you know, the film is, you know, aiming to explore. And so I was excited to see how McKay would carry that over to vice. And I think initially in that first half, because it's very much a tale of two halves, I think much of that, well, not perfect was working for me for the most part. I understand that we were getting some background, on our central character and you know perhaps what rooted this thirst for power that he ultimately has but what surprised me is that the first half of vice is somewhat vulnerable and in in chaining in terms of the relationship with his wife and also one of his daughters and I I guess I just did not expect that because, uh, I mean, I think we all assumed that McKay was going to come into this film angry and wanting to indict Cheney in some harsh ways. And we eventually get there, but it was surprisingly open-minded in that first half. And then you get that, that big twist at the midway point, which I think is kind of funny for reasons we can get into. My issue, though, is the back half of the film, I think, falls apart for me and the sense that I think it's very clear. The film is about power and manipulating the president presidency in ways that no other VP has ever done. And instead of focusing exclusively on that, the film becomes a Wikipedia level, facile, almost biopic of sorts of Cheney's life and his time in the white house. And it gives us facts that perhaps a lot of us know, and um, it 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 just for for me kind of just lives on the surface. It doesn't really dive into what uh, I think the film really was trying to go for in terms of manipulating the presidency. It tells us basic facts, but I don't think it goes deeper than that. Like the Big Short did for me, it it lacks that human element after that first uh, after that first half. So. Um, it's a film that ultimately I like okay. I, it's a mild recommendation for me, but I was also disappointed because I was hoping to really like it. And I think it set it up very well, and then it just kind of jumped off a cliff for me. Okay. Anybody want to springboard off of JD here and share their thoughts? It's interesting because I agree with you on what the two halves, like what their strengths and faults are. But I think that the second half worked more for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I don't know. The whole point in my mind is that, like, let's discuss how this random nobody got a bunch of power. I was I was literally bored through the first half, and it was over an hour of them just talking about him being a random nobody. And I understand why that's important to, like, lay the groundwork for the rest of the movie. But I was just like, over an hour? Really? Like, it was over an hour before he even got to the White House. And then there was still 
10 years to cover and it was the 10 most important years. And so I, I just, it finally got me like emotionally invested once real big decisions started happening. But I was just like, man, I really wish this first hour could have been like 35 minutes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I can understand that. Um, I'm not going to give my thoughts right away. I want to get to everyone. Uh, so Tom, I, I, Actually, my, my feelings about it combined both what J.D. has and what Celia has, I may be a minority here. I have to confess I was not a, not a fan of the big short. Um, yeah, Margot Robbie explaining subprime mortgages to me from a bathtub did get my interest. Uh, <laughs> and, and for two hours, I you know believed in my heart of hearts that I understood them. Of course, that all went away when that was over. But it, it was a gimmick, but it was an entertaining gimmick. And yeah. a surprising gimmick. So, and and yeah. yet, yet I think that I'm not quite. Sh- I I don't really think that he was that invested in his characters. Uh, I think the 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 actors took up a lot of the slack. Uh, you know, really individualizing themselves. But uh, it uh, to me, it ultimately felt a, a bit empty. Uh, but I did learn something briefly. Here we know the players, and I think in this in this part of it, I'm more in JD's camp, uh, in that I I was surprised by a lot of the first part of the film. Uh, I I really had no idea that he was sort of uh, another George W. Bush when he was a kid, you know, with his booze and his cigarettes. And uh, the 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 main problem I have with the first act is that. Uh, as Celia had said, the question is, how did this random nobody get to Washington? Well, how did he? It's mm-hmm. it's sort of like he's they, they pull him out of his car drunk and smoking. Lynn uh, reads the riot act to him, which is a great scene. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he has in, he's in this powerful internship position. Yeah. There yeah. Seems like there's a couple of beats missing there that it would have helped to have filled in um, how he got his act together and what he had to do in order to get that internship. Now, of course that would make the film even longer. Um, I'm wondering whether the movie might've been more effective if, uh, McKay did what Tony Kushner did in Lincoln and, and focus on a very concentrated part, you know, the white house years. Mm. Mm-hmm. But the, but the, um, uh, I think the, the first act was a, a nice surprise to me. The second part, uh, you know, it's 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 famous people in heavy makeup impersonating politicians, and it just felt to me a lot, a lot of it like a SNL cold open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that it, it ultimately to me, I don't hate the film, but I it, to me it was kind of an empty exercise as well. Mm. All right, Danila, um, I would say I, I get the. Uh... I guess I got uh, everybody's kind of issues with either the first or second half. I think it's interesting the way the film, because we don't get a we don't get a pre credit scene. We get we 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 get a title that says we tried our fucking best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is essentially like Adam McKay basically saying sorry for what it is you're about to see, and if you end up hating this, hey, we tried our fucking best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's a disclaimer, I guess. But but the the two the the, the two scenes that jump out to me in those pre credits is the one that Tom mentioned where he gets pulled over when he's younger and he's drunk. And then they parallel that with him on September 11th. So we juxtapose those two scenes. And those two scenes kind of lay out the first and second halves of the film pretty well. Um, and I liked, I actually liked both halves of the film, but I would say cumulatively it gets a little exhausting and a little desensitizing 
to have mm-hmm. so much thrown at you. Oh, it's definitely overwhelming yeah. for sure. So when I think about it in retrospect, I enjoyed both halves, both halves for different reasons. But as a whole, it was a bit of an exhausting uh, watch, I would say. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at right now. Overall, I enjoyed the film. But when I think back on it, it is it is a lot. There was a time in that second half where it's like, okay, all right, I'm starting to kind of get numb to all this, you know? Yeah. Uh, Josh? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as Danilo. I enjoyed both halves. Um, I do think that the end of the second half kind of started to become sensory overload um, with towards what they thought would be like the end of Dick Cheney's life. Um, and it started to be just like a lot of information at once, like from the narration and then cutting back and forth between what was actually happening. Um, but I think the film is, I have mostly positive thoughts. I like that McKay um, has the ability to, or just decided to take a different approach to the biopic because it could have just been a very straightforward and simple biopic, like something we've seen before, like, um, Oliver Stone's Bush or something like that. And he didn't do that. It's very different. It's very much edited and shot like the big short. It's very fast. And I think that helps enjoy the movie because if we were to just watch a movie about Dick Cheney talking about politics, I think it could have been very boring. So I think that McKay's approach allows the movie to be more approachable and exciting. And I think the thing I want to applaud him for is um, he has the ability to slow down the film when it's needed. Like there's obviously a lot of yelling and arguing between politicians and characters in the film, but there are a lot of small moments that he can bring the pace to a screeching halt when it needs to be. And I appreciate that a lot. Okay. Uh, Taking in everything that everybody has said, and not compromising how I still feel about it regardless. Um, But I love you all, and I appreciate all your opinions. Um, I really love this movie. And I loved it for reasons that I will do my best to explain, but uh, it's it's in no way me explaining them for trying to win an argument or trying to coerce you over to my side of things or anything like that. I just loved it. And, uh, you know, what I'm seeing a lot of is I'm seeing a lot of power passionate hatred for this movie um, from a lot of people who I I definitely respect. And I just wanted to be known that like, I respect that opinion. And I actually respect every single thing that every one of you said in terms of criticism here. For me, it worked. And I, and I, I think part of that is because um, the big short, you know, I watched it when it came out in 2015 and I was not a fan of the editing style I was not a fan of um, the story in general. I did think there was weak characterization that was only elevated by the performances uh, from Gosling, Bale, Carell. Um, And I kind of left that movie feeling very cold and honestly, still kind of confused about the issue that it was trying to explain. And I felt like I still didn't really fully understand it. Now, it gave me a good launching pad where I could then do my own research and learn a little bit more because I was interested. But... I think that is ultimately what McKay was trying to do with the big short. I think that's what he's trying to do here with Vice is I think he's speaking to a very, very extremely particular audience with this movie. And I don't think it's us. I really don't think it's us. So, Matt, because this was one of my this was one of my main issues with it. I can't figure out for the life of me Mm -hmm. who it is for, because it's not it's not really for liberals because. It's not teaching them anything. I mean, it might be for liberals because it's just like a big angry thing, but it doesn't really feel it doesn't really feel that way. It's not for conservatives because it doesn't slow down to actually explain anything in any 
meaningful way. And it's not for young people because we saw that post credit scene. Because to me, the big short, you know, while maybe it didn't completely do its job fully, what it was trying to do was teach you something. It picked a really hard subject to teach. Yeah. So I don't blame it for maybe not succeeding right off the bat. Mm -hmm. But like this is something that you could teach the public about in this kind of structure. And that's why I was so, when I talk about this movie... I'm trying to think of it like I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, I really yeah. I really do think it is meant for our current president's rallying base. The uneducated American who votes a certain way no matter what logical argument you put forward. Now, will they see this movie? No, that's not even my issue, but like what do you think someone like that would like learn from this? I, I don't, you know what, to be honest, I, I actually don't know because I can't speak for that person. But I do believe that it is who he is targeting. And I do believe that crystallized for me with the post credit sequence, which I have to admit, I personally was not a fan of. That was one of my knocks yeah. on the film was I did think that he went way too overboard in that post credit sequence to really yeah. hammer home who he was trying to target. And it, it is for the uneducated. And I know I said, you know, you know, kind of more leaning right. But I think it's just for the uneducated American, the or uninitiated who doesn't take the time to understand what's going on politically and and they just are wrapped up in their bubble. Um, They're lured in by these performances and these transformations and these actors that they're well aware of. And maybe they'll walk away going, huh, I didn't know that that actually happened during the Bush years because they because Bush is the one that they saw on TV. And it was the one who was the figurehead for this administration. Cheney was and is said in the film, the man who operated in the shadows. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, I, I can understand what McKay is trying to do here. I also think it worked for me, too, because this was more, for me, a character study. And I I gravitate more towards character studies than I do with the uh, interconnected ensemble like kind of film that The Big Short was, where it was jumping around from person to person. And it just wasn't really like a real linear, straightforward story. This had a, a natural progression of a rise of this politician that, yeah, even though I do agree that could we have seen some beats put in there to make it a little bit more, um, a little bit more connected? Sure, um, I, I still appreciated that this was a much more um, linear story and had more, in my opinion, more focus actually. And I think people are, you know, saying, "Oh, the movie's very unfocused, though, because it's trying to do too much and the editing mm-hmm. and everything that it's throwing at you, except the kitchen sink, pretty much." Um, I just, to, okay, so now here, here's what I'm going to say in regards to that. I don't think that that is anymore. And I I could be wrong about this come his next film. But I really do believe that this is Adam McKay's quote unquote style now for all of his movies. In the same way Wes Anderson has a style. Fincher has a style. There is a distinct way when we watch uh, these filmmakers films, we go, oh, I, I know that filmmaker. I know that style. I think this is McKay's thing now. And... I I don't know. It for some reason it really really worked for me this time around. Like the fly fishing as, you know, the metaphor for reeling in bush and the game board yeah. pieces. Mm-hmm. I I just I really loved the creativity. I loved the editing. I loved the sound that went into it. I I I, I don't know. It worked for me this time. There are two there are two things that make me really struggle because that's how I wanted to feel, but then two things happened. <laughs> First, 
they started talking about Guantanamo Bay. And when I say they started talking about it, I mean, they talked about it for like a minute and a half and then flashed some pictures of it. And that was it. If the goal was to teach people about why this, like to show conservatives who voted for Trump, why this administration is bad or was bad, there was your prime opportunity to zero in on, they say, oh, we'll just call it enhanced interrogation. And then we'll flash some scary pictures on the screen and everybody will get it. And it's like, no. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. So you wanted the film to go even more with the sensory overload to hammer home its point? I mean, I wanted, I didn't want it to sensory overload. I wanted it to slow down and Mm -hmm. dig in to why this is a bad thing and not just say, hey, you know that thing? It's bad, right? Anyways, moving on. And I think the sensory overload ended up being a drawback because, I mean, I understand that maybe that's his style, but I don't think it was that crazy in the big short from what I remember. Oh, I I rewatched the big short recently and it's (laughs) definitely there. Uh, The freeze frames are there. The, you know, the cross cutting is there. I mean, like that film is edited and chopped up with several different knives on several different cutting boards using several different pieces of fruit and vegetables. I mean, it's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, but but, so no, I just wanted it to to dig into the point a little bit more instead Mm -hmm. of that. And then the second thing that happened that made me think, you know, the people whose minds he wants to change are not going to change their minds during the, and I know that this is like the most divisive, was during the end monologue. Oh, the the, the break in the fourth wall moment? If yeah. you mm-hmm. don't really hit the point home, because at the end, honestly, all he did was repeat talking points those kinds of people already believe. But he's basically summing up to everyone that like, you know, if you think I'm a horrible person and you have watched this movie and made up your mind about me, I want to remind all of you that you're the reason why I am the way that I am. I know, but the thing is, the people who don't think he's a terrible person aren't going to change their mind. But how can you watch this movie and not think he's not a terrible person? I think that's what she's getting into. Like, they don't dive... Like, I'm kind of on Celia's side in this discussion. Because, like, he says... He says the whole time, I did what I had to do. I did what I had to do. Guess what? Everybody who is on his side, that's what they're telling themselves already. So they're going to watch this whole movie and think, hey, they didn't really land on one side or the other on whether he was a truly terrible person. They mentioned all these things, but I don't really understand it. I've never really heard of this. Oh, but he says he did what he had to do. And that's what I already think. I guess he did what he had to do. I just don't see how it effectively is going to change anybody's mind. Okay, so I think I know what you're saying here now, that there's an imbalance between we want to, we want to make it clear that this man is evil, but we also have to give him another dimension and humanize him a little bit through his family and other means. And the balance there can get a little muddled and confusing for the viewer. Yeah. And I hate to backseat direct because I'm not a filmmaker. I saw this with my boyfriend last night and I was talking with him about it. And I basically said, I really wish they would have put all the humanizing stuff in the beginning and then put all the evil stuff at the end so that people could feel betrayed. Like I didn't feel, you know, and maybe it's because I know who Dick Cheney is. But I didn't feel betrayed at the end. And I think you really need people to feel that. See, now, I I did in the storyline with his daughter, played by Allison Pill. 
Yeah. When mm-hmm. there's a moment in the second act between the two of them and a decision that is made by him regarding her, uh-huh. I did feel that betrayal finally at that moment. Yeah, I felt that as well. I, a little bit with with uh, Rumsfeld's character, obviously to a lesser extent, but a little bit with that too. I think those were two oh. instances where there was a little yeah. bit of that. Yeah, and and it's just in such an over, and I don't mean to monopolize this, I'm sorry, but like in such an overpowering movie where it hits you over the head with everything, if you're going to make the point really subtle, it's going to get lost. See, no, I don't think it was subtle. I I thought it was very, very crystal clear that the one thing that humanized him was he wasn't willing to back down on supporting his daughter. No, and and I I agree, and and I, I, me, understood that. But I could also see a very real scenario where a person doesn't or doesn't connect with that as much. Well, I'm yeah, I, I, I very much agree with that. I think for me, the humanizing of him that took me aback in that first half. And I very much did appreciate that. I don't know if that sustained enough in the back half for it to be effective or carry any sort of weight. And I just feel like a lot of what the film is doing in that back half is just little vignettes of here's how he manipulated power and, you know, uh, and, and, and here's some of the effect of that. But, um, I don't know if there's any weight to it. The film just kind of skips, like just skims the surface of little things that he did. But I, I will say I, I like the central premise of, of that though, of him manipulating the presidency, because that feels to me a lot like what the big short was trying to do in terms of highlighting something that people may not know. Mm -hmm. And even though I was very aware of Cheney and some of his effect, I, I, I will admit though, that some of that idea of him manipulating the presidency to the extent that he went. I don't know if I knew all of that. So fundamentally, I do think there's something there. But one thing that I think McKay gets lost in is he just knows so much. I think in interviews, he said he read like 23 books or something like that on Cheney. So he knows a vast amount about the guy. And I think he wanted to hit so many different things about his life that he kind of gets lost in in that that central premise just kind of gets lost in telling all these other things. And so it just feels very superficial for me. And, and it just it loses some of what I really dug about the film as far as that power and what he was really, uh, you know, attempting to do, I guess, you know, and, and by the end of the film, I don't, I don't know if I can tell you why other than just simple greed, I guess that that's why he wanted power. I don't, I don't actually know what was driving him beyond something as artificial as I just want power. Maybe we're not supposed to know. Maybe, but I feel like I, I don't I don't know if that is the case though. I feel like McKay wanted to do both as I think he wanted us to know why or he wanted to at least explore the power dynamics mm-hmm. at play, but I just feel like it kind of gets lost in in telling us his story. And I didn't I didn't really need to know his story. I just wanted to know why he was trying to manipulate the presidency. I know what he did. I don't know why, though. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of in a different boat than most people because when the Cheney and Bush things were going on, I was like between five and like 10 years old. So I didn't 
know anything at the time. So I thought this movie and this movie taught me a lot that I didn't really know. And with Celia's um, point about the Guantanamo Bay, I kind of knew like a little bit, obviously, from like school and other movies. Um, And I'm kind of with her. I wish it would have gone a little further because obviously the movie, like Celia said, with a movie that is this scale and that moves so fast and hits so heavy, if something is subtle to the average viewer, that subtle moment could get lost and you might not know what the point of it was or what it was trying to say. Um, So I do kind of wish they would have shown him being a little bit more evil, like on a grander scale, because obviously he's doing evil Mm -hmm. things and he's doing things that are frowned upon and that shouldn't have been done to manipulate the presidency. But we didn't get that like at its utmost scale. What you didn't think that you edited montage of everything that was going on in Iraq and everything you didn't think that sold it. That like I would have wanted it like that's like I love that moment like the or the the mat the match cut of bush giving the address and he's bouncing his leg oh i love the, that the father in yeah. iraq that's bouncing his leg too like if it had just been on that scale like the entire time i think i would have enjoyed it a little more because there's like that scene at the table where the waiter is like reading off all the things that they're gonna do yeah they take, mm-hmm. <laughs> they take oh one my god of, yeah it's like I okay could- it's like I appreciate that he's like trying to do what he was doing in the big short with like, like Tom said, like here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub explaining subprime loans. And so I understand that he was trying to like keep that loop. And then here's Alfred Molina as a waiter. Yeah. 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 I I laughed at it. The the restaurant scene. I'm not kidding. Drove me insane (laughs) (laughs) because this is going to sound kind of silly. I watched a video on YouTube from Lessons on the, Lessons of the Screenplay about Gone Girl, where they talk about how in a really good screenplay, the point of the scene is at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of naturally do that as moviegoers. When, you're, when you just enter a scene, you're kind of processing the new visuals and you're maybe not play, paying as close attention to the literal words being spoken. But by the time you get to the end, you always know what's going on because the point is at the end in a good movie. When they flip to that restaurant scene, he's immediately diving in to not only the point of the scene, but maybe the point of the entire movie. The waiter's like halfway through his talk and then I realize like, oh wait, this is really important and I need to be paying extremely close attention to the words that he's saying because this feels like the point of the movie. I went insane because I was like, you're kidding me. At least in the big short. Yeah, maybe, maybe it wasn't your style, but at least in the big short, they were like snapping their fingers at the camera and like forcing you to pay attention when they were talking about the subprime mortgages. But when they flip to the restaurant and it just looks like any other restaurant scene and nope, that's actually where they've hidden like all of the war crimes that they committed. I was like, what is happening? I don't think I figured it out until like halfway through the scene. Like I I was like, Oh, (laughs) I think I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe just reading into uh, Cheney, the character, and kind of the way they present it, but the way that they kind of, I think McKay kind of shows his hand a little bit earlier in the film is when he sets up that Cheney can make the most absurd things sound logical. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like in scenes like that, like the dinner scene and stuff like that, I felt like McKay was kind of employing that same kind of thing. Like, let's just slide it in. Well, yeah, because I, because I didn't, because I knew it wasn't meant to be taken literally. It's, it's meant to be a, a joke of, of subtext oh, sure. and yeah. not, yeah, not sure. it, you know, they're not really talking like that in a restaurant with, you know, yeah. Doc Ock, yeah. you know, it, it, it's as if, it's as if Cheney's 
principles, quote unquote, uh, would read like a restaurant menu that you can. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. The way they set it up was like McKay's using a little bit of Cheney's tactics and seeing if we're noticing because he's slipping it in under the guise of like, like Celia said, a scene that we we think we can miss the beginning of and kind of catch at the end. But it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. subtly. Yeah, in. that scene is what drove Celia nuts. What drove me nuts was the on-screen narrator. Oh, really? Yeah. I loved really that. that. I liked that device as well. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it too because I was trying to figure out the whole time who he was because he tells you initially, I am very closely tied to Cheney. I'm not going to tell you how. And so the whole time he's popping up and I'm looking for clues and I'm waiting for that moment. Yeah. Now, call me dumb for not being able to put it together. You know, maybe some people were able to figure it out right away. And maybe that's why they hated it the whole time. They just thought it was intrusive and it broke up the narrative. Yeah, la, 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 whatever. <laughs> you know, but I, I really dug it, especially because when the reveal does happen, it, it it was just a moment for me, like a cinematic moment of, oh, shit, yeah. you know? So yeah. I don't know. It, it worked to, for me. To McKay's credit, it's a framing device I've never seen before. I think what he does in this film at certain points, I can genuinely say that's really inventive. You know what I mean? As a director. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who said, it was either Danilo or Josh, but who said, like, by the end of the movie, they felt kind of desensitized. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that because when the reveal came, what should have been like an "oh, what" moment, like became a "huh, that's cool." Anyways, it just felt it was just like a clever thing that was clever, and then I was like, "All right." Well, I, I wonder <laughs> because I now, clever. now I'm curious if like the reason why you have that reaction, I have that reaction, is because I'm I was more bought into the movie. Maybe that may I be. Mean, yeah. Maybe, but it might it might have also been because at that point I was more interested about what was happening with dick cheney himself yeah because like that was towards the end when i was really like let's get into the nitty-gritty of like the bad things he did and like i did enjoy the last 35 minutes or so when it was like really in there Mm -hmm. and then i was like why are we talking like oh that's where he got the heart cool anyways back to like what i'm (laughs) really trying to know about you know yeah i mean i it's Something that worked for me for the most part simply because there is an element of mystery there, and I did find that mostly effective. I think some of the symbolism that comes with it is a bit heavy-handed and a little bit too on the nose, but I also feel like maybe saying that is uh, maybe weak because a lot of this film, much like The Big Short, it's supposed to be, you know, in your face. So I, I can understand that, but there's there's a literal shot of, them taking out the heart and then McKay focuses the camera on an oh, empty chest cavity. Yeah, I love like, that uh, shot so much. <laughs> I really thought that was I great. get it. <laughs> I loved yeah, it. I was I was squeamish in that. That was one of my like favorite I I have a thing like killing of a sacred deer now this I I just have a thing for human hearts I guess. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but um in, in terms of like the Jesse Plemons uh you know, reveal, you know, and just adding to the emotional aspect of it. I I thought there was just a great irony. And here is that normal average American who got completely fucked over by this man. Mm-hmm. And yet that little guy who Dick Cheney probably doesn't even give two shits about mm-hmm. is the one that saved. is the reason that he is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found I, I just I don't know why, but to me, I just looked at that and I just said, oh, that's 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 very interesting. That's, you know, I think it's very interesting how these politicians will say whatever they can say, do whatever they can do to acclaim power. And they do it using their base. But 
They don't give a shit about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot of no, there's a lot of irony there. You're right. I just wish they would finish the point. You know, like that's that's what I felt like throughout the whole movie is like they set up this really good sentence and then they just couldn't finish it. And then they would do that over and over yeah. again. And I was okay. like, oh, you're so, you're so close. Like you're so close. <laughs> yeah. I can see the sun. <laughs> well, and, and I think to bounce off that real fast, I think why that's also a little bit meddled for me too, is the last, you know, lines of Cheney in this film, I think is, is him trying to tell the audience that, you know, I don't care what you think of me. I did these things because I wanted you and your family to be safe. And maybe that's artificial. Maybe he doesn't really mean it. But he is saying to the audience that I do care. You just mm-hmm. don't approve of my tactics. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you are correct in that, Matt. I think fundamentally, in theory, a lot of us might believe that. But Cheney might believe that he did what he did to protect the American family. And I, I just, I don't, I don't know which is clear. If, if, if that was the case, right, then if that was the case, then he could have done it without making a shit ton of money off of it in the end, sure. maybe. And no, that would have been a little I'm, bit yeah, more I'm sincere. Just saying, I'm just saying, cinematically, I don't know where McKay is leaning. Is is he trying to humanize yeah. him a little bit more, or is he trying to bring more irony because he believes what you believe? I just feel like the storytelling is just a little bit muddled, and, and perhaps. Yeah, and it doesn't match with the filmmaking. Exactly, yeah, Yeah. I agree. All right, well, let's get to something that maybe we do all agree on. I'm not sure, but um, we're about to find out. Performances. Uh, Let's start off with Tom. Tom, what did you think of the performances in Vice? I thought they were, for the most part, pretty damn good. Uh, Rockwell, I know, is getting the supporting actor buzz. Um, That felt a little SNL-y to me. Yeah. yeah. When people talk about impersonations in this movie, that's the one I go to immediately. Yeah. I think all of the other ones are much deeper. I think uh, in the the same category, I think Steve Carell has a much more involving arc as Rumsfeld. It's Mm -hmm. being on, on top of the world and then getting kicked to the curb and then coming back. That, uh, that I, yeah, I, I didn't expect that. And uh, initially, I, uh, the makeup made him look very much like Rumsfeld. And I found him, I found Carell digging deeper than I expected him to go. So uh, kudos there. Uh, Bale, Bale is terrific. Uh, it's, it's tough because he's saddled with a very monotonous character vocally. Mm. There's not a whole lot he can do to modulate what he does. It's that uh, ability of Cheney to do heinous things while making himself sound like he's reading the minutes of a Rotary Club meeting. Uh, that it was made him so effective. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it's really one of uh, Bale's better performances because he, he let's talk about Adams. Uh, I initially thought, like, oh my God, she's in the master mode again which is not my necessarily favorite uh, Amy Adams uh, mode, but uh, <laughs> she, uh, she really, she's there. She provides the steel backbone, even later in the film, uh, to Dick, to give Dick the resolve to be able to do the heinous things he does. He, she's not exactly Lady Macbeth, because you can see her on the, uh, campaign stump. We do get an opportunity to see how sh- good she is, so you can see how persuasive 
she could be to her husband. Uh, if she wins for this, and I right now, I think she has a pretty good chance of doing it. Uh, it would not be an undeserved uh, Oscar win. No, um, I, I do think that she has been better, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's to me, it reminds me a lot of like Alice and Janney last year um, in that it's I'm glad Alice and Janney has an Oscar. I just wish it was for maybe just something a little bit different. Um, but yeah. and that's how I feel about Adams this year where she's good. I'm not saying she's bad, uh, but I've seen her be masterful before and I want her to win for something masterful instead of it being a, oh, let's just get it over with and give her her win already, uh, which is what I feel like things are leaning towards. But we'll get to that in a bit when we talk about its Oscar potential. Uh, anybody else comments on the performances? I totally agree with all of that. Uh, I also want to say that I think Amy Adams does a good job and maybe that's, maybe it's more of a script thing, but I feel like she knows when to be more of a focus and when to be more of a background person. Oh, so, oh, I, I think I know what you mean. Like in terms of, um, uh, she doesn't, she doesn't try to overshadow bail, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. She knows when it's like her scene and when it's not her scene. And I think she's pretty good at like playing into those roles. I also want to give a shout out to Tyler Perry. I thought he did a really good job. He was really good. good. Like a really, like a surprise. Like I didn't realize it was Tyler Perry until like the end of the movie. And I looked at him a little (laughs) closer and I was like, oh, wait, that's Tyler Perry. (laughs) I want to see him do more roles like this. Yeah. Yeah. After I remember after Gone Girl, I was like, wow, Tyler Perry mm-hmm. yeah. can do stuff. Um, I know. <laughs> and here we are, what, four years later? And it's like, wow, Tyler Perry can <laughs> yeah. do stuff. He like doesn't I think he's done interviews and he just like doesn't like doing it that much. Like he doesn't yeah. love being a he's serious. Really good. He can, yeah. He's really good at it. He is. Yeah. Um <laughs> Can we talk about the Shakespeare scene? Yeah. Oh, oh my god! I, I this once again, this is one of those things where I mean, just from a creativity standpoint, I I just like that this film is a very to me. I think this is part of the reason why I like Vice. Um, I like Vice because it's a it's unlike any other movie I've seen this year. It's unlike any movie I saw last year. And when I see movies follow a very simple formula. I mean, I've seen this before, you know, but with Vice, I feel like there's certain elements thrown in there that give it a creativity and a uniqueness to it that um, it makes you just stand out more in my mind. And that scene where they're not exactly saying actual Shakespeare to each other, it's it's original dialogue just yeah. said in Shakespeare form. Yeah, uh, and sure. I, I loved I like that's one of those things where. If I was dozing off, which I wasn't, but if I was dozing off, that's like a moment that would just pull me right back in and be like, oh, there's some there's something different happening here. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That and the 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 what would you even call it at the midpoint when it, it appears as though everything's done? Oh, my God. <laughs> that, I, I was I was, <laughs> that was the so biggest good. laugh out loud moment I've had so in the theater funny. all year. Yep. Yeah. The oh. audacity to do that. <laughs> It was, yeah. I, and I know some people, it just made them angrier, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, people who really hate this movie think it's like the most god-awful thing they have seen in a movie. It's so funny. I you thought it was it hysterical. Iron Man contest. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's brilliant in the sense that it does show you what Cheney's legacy would have been if he did not take that extra step. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I just, love that Iron Man. Yeah. It's so effective in that way, too. You're right. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, um, I guess we're up to uh, final thoughts. Uh, Anything that we did not touch upon, uh, why don't we pass it off to Josh Williams first. Final thoughts on Vice and your grade out of 10. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, we just talked about a lot of the things that make the movie different and make the movie um, not conventional, which I have to give, I think McKay deserves more props than he's getting. He's found, I've seen some people criticize his directing and um, compare it to Farley's in Green Book as kind of lackluster. And I'm not, I don't, I don't agree with that because I think McKay has found ways to incorporate maybe younger people to enjoy a biopic. Cause like we, this could have been very traditional and it could have been something we've all seen before. And it could have just been, you know, a very baity kind of thing for everybody involved. But I think, you know, finding those creative loopholes to tell the story, like the Shakespearean scene or the fake ending and his use of like the intelligent montage, like the, he's figuring out ways to involve the audience visually. And I think that I have to give him props for that. I think that's cool. And I, I haven't seen a lot of directors do it. All the performances are incredibly solid from the entire ensemble. Yeah, it's really great. I give it my grade. I give it a nine out of 10. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't expect you were going to be that high. Okay. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All, all right. Okay. Wow. I'm like really taken aback by that. Um, let, let, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Celia, final thoughts. Great out of 10. Again, I do want to reiterate, I'm coming at this from a disappointed parent standpoint. I think there yeah. was a really, really good, powerful, impactful movie hidden in this one. But I think McKay chose to focus on maybe the wrong things for me. Something I would have really loved is if he would have hit on this idea of, like, in the beginning, they say Cheney found his calling being a servant. And then they don't ever touch on that again until the end monologue where he says, I was your servant. And it kind of feels like they're trying to trick you and be like, gotcha, it was all your fault. But... It, to me, it more felt like, no, the movie kind of forgot about that and then remembered at the end. I just wish it would have focused on those aspects a little bit more, kind of tried to connect it back to the main. Like if the if the end point was going to be, I may be evil, but you supported me. I wish they kind of would have connected back to that a little bit better. Um, and then to me, like what's also kind of hard is the fact that the message of the movie and the tone of the movie and the storytelling don't really match up with the filmmaking. You know, we were talking about that with like, if the point is really subtle, but the movie's really over the top, like it's not going to stand out the way it needs to. So, so yeah, I just, ugh, I just really want this to be like recut together. The performances were really good though. I, I can't say I didn't like enjoy my time. Like I'm glad that I saw it and I want McKay to keep making movies like this because I think that it's really interesting and unique and fills a special spot in the industry that nobody else is doing. So this is by no means an indictment of the structure, but this one just did not work for me. Uh, and I give it a four out of 10. Danilo. I think that while I started my kind of my discussion of the film by saying that uh, it was a little desensitizing overall, I have way more positives than negatives. Um, I think while the pace maybe gets a little tiring for me, I, I, I'd like to kind of rewatch it and see maybe now that I have a better idea of the shape of the film overall, whether that runs a little smoother for me. I kind of suspect that it will. Um, the performances are great. McKay's direction, I think, to Josh's point, kind of elevates what could have been Oscar Beatty. I was thinking of maybe because of the Bush connection, I was thinking of Oliver Stone's W, which I felt was a lot more cloying and kind of straightforward yeah. in terms of telling a similar story. And I thought this one was a lot more sharper, tougher, 
leaner, and a lot more just inventive through the direction, which I think McKay really bumps it up in that way. He takes more chances than he did in the big short stylistically. And I think for the most part, maybe with the exception of the post credit scene, uh, it goes over fantastically. So I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. All right, Tom. I was just thinking back on all of the issues and all of the stylistic discussions we've had about the film. And as many qualms as I have about it, and I do, it is kind of remarkable that this movie gives us so much to chew on. Uh, we've, we've covered a lot of things in this podcast. And when was the last time we had so many different discussions about so many different aspects of a film? And- I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I was going to say that. Maybe Avengers Infinity War. I don't know. but <laughs> Maybe. You know, that reminds me of a, a, you know, a film from the 1970s where you could chew on something for two hours and we could probably go on for another hour. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I applaud the film for that. Yeah, I, I, it's uh, not a film I'm crazy about. But it does give you a lot to think about and a lot to talk about. And uh, so my final uh, my final score would probably be six out of ten, elevated by the almost perfect across the board performances. And our guest, J.D. Duran. Well, as far as final thoughts for me, I will also echo uh, Celia in the sense that I'm also coming at this from their perspective of a disappointed parent because I love the big short. I think that film is absolutely delightful and takes something very cumbersome and makes it palatable. And for me, much easier to comprehend and it's very entertaining and love the ensemble cast. And I was really hoping for the same thing here. And I do love the performances. I didn't really touch on that earlier, but I think Christian Bell is very good. I love Amy Adams, especially in that first half. She might get a little lost in that back half, but for reasons that I think are needed, I think it needed to be more about Dick Cheney. So uh, I understand why she's sidelined a little bit there, but I think they're both very good. I like Carell as well. Um, Sam Rockwell, I love the guy to death. He is someone I love seeing on screen, but he's either miscast or giving a performance that wasn't really needed here. So um, I do agree with the criticisms there. And I also want to reiterate as I have criticized this film, but I do overall like a lot of the directorial flair and style that McKay does have here. I think if I'm just looking at individual scenes in a vacuum, such as the waiter scene or the Shakespeare scene, there's a lot of laughs to be had or the mid, uh, the, that, that midpoint twist of sorts that we were talking about. I, I, I laughed at a lot of the flair that McKay brings here. I think he's similarly, Uh, to what he did with the big short. I think he understands that there's a lot of political machinations at play here that could be difficult to absorb. And so he tries to have fun. He tries to make it palatable. And I did enjoy those for what they were. My issues are more from a storytelling standpoint. I just feel like the script gets a little facile in that back half. It suffocates much of its central premise. And I, in the end, I'm not exactly sure who this movie is for. I don't understand really a whole lot more about why Cheney did what he did. I'd like the film in the end for me anyway, works 
more or less as a glorified Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. albeit an entertaining one. But I don't know if I learned anything more here than I would just reading about him on Wikipedia. So cinematically, there's something that's a little stale for me with this film, um, even if I did laugh from time to time. So as far as my final grade, I don't know. I'm pretty terrible at this. Um, I, I Probably a five. Five or six is kind of where I sit with it. Yeah. Uh, and for me, I, I mean, as I said before, Big Short didn't really work for me on a first time viewing, worked a little bit better on a second time viewing. Uh, Vice worked for me. And I, like I said, I think a large part of that is because I think Bale's performance is absolutely incredible. I think it's one of his best. Um, I think Adams is fantastic. Carell was unexpectedly good. Uh, and Rockwell, yeah, I wasn't really too much a fan of what it was he was doing. here. It was it was definitely caricature, very uh, just a glorified impersonation and t- and honestly, yeah, I even got from the trailer, I thought he was a little miscast and didn't really even, honestly, I just didn't really think he was a good fit for uh, George W. Bush. But I like what McKay does bring to this. As I said before, um, you know, I see a lot of movies and when I see one like this that is so unique and so different in its storytelling with the game board pieces, with the uh, montages, with the voiceover from Jesse Plemons to like really everything that he throws at this movie. Um, it kept me wildly entertained throughout. Did I feel like I learned anything while watching it? No. Did I find the character to be an enigma and still ever so fascinating as he was painted as this evil man, but hey, let's show some scenes with his family to show that he's a loving, caring husband and father. And then, oh, let's you know pull the rug out from underneath you at the very end. And I, I, I found all that to be a lot of fun and also very interesting. I will admit that, you know, and maybe this isn't the best comparison to make right now, but I did find it to be a lot like House of Cards, the movie, in a sort of way. And I, I enjoyed House of Cards, you know, mm-hmm. during during a time. And so um, I, there were a lot of elements here that I really much ap- appreciated. Um, I can understand everybody's criticisms. I, I fully, fully understand everyone's dilemmas. Um, I, I get it. Um, but when people say, like, who's this movie for? I don't I don't know if it was for me exactly, like in terms of the message of the movie, because I think the message is pretty straightforward. Um, it's probably for that guy in Logan Lucky who says, um, I, I know all the Twitters. All of them. It's it's probably for him, if I had to take a guess. Uh, but hey, I don't know. I I think that I think that post credit sequence went. A li- I think that's where it went too far, and that I I even said to myself, "Wow, um, if it had just ended with Bale's monologue, I would have been like elated. I would have been like so happy." But then when that Me scene too. came on, I was like, "Uh, really?" And it wasn't yeah. even funny. Like it was, it, no, it, it, it didn't even rough, make me laugh. It's a rough way to go for sure. I felt written by yeah. someone a lot less clever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really disjointed yeah. from the rest of the film. Yeah. Just every stereotype joke you could make. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be the other very positive person here and say, I, I it's a nine out of 10 for me. Um, I can understand why it's, uh, muddled. I can understand why it's exhausting. I can understand why it's problematic. It is, I'll say it again divisive <laughs> See, you didn't have to open and end with it <laughs> yeah. you're gonna have people on both sides here so i'm on one side and there you go with that said all right oscar potential so we kind of got into it a little bit here with uh talking about amy adams before this is an, this is this is another question mark now because 
prior to the reviews dropping on Rotten Tomatoes, and the reviews did drop, and they were, uh, I think it's still sitting at like a 69 or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes right now at the moment. 64. It has the same score currently as Aquaman. Jesus H. Christ. Wow. <laughs> That's insane. So I've heard I've heard more positive things about Aquaman than about Vice, if I'm being fully honest. <laughs> yeah, same. So uh, what was very, very smart about this by Annapurna was, I mean, I saw the film back over like Thanksgiving and I wasn't allowed to say what my thoughts were on it or anything like that. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to do very, very well because I liked it. And I talked to some people who also liked it. And then I started hearing rumblings of some people didn't like it. But then when the Critics Award started to drop, Vice was getting Best Picture nominations, Director from McKay, Screenplay, the Golden Globe nominations dropped. It got the most Golden Globe nominations. And now that the reviews have dropped, the critics' notices have kind of scaled back a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always think back to... Um, this idea of if you really believe that this is great, like personally, without any kind of outside influence, vote for it. Like, yeah, I know. And, and that's something that really frustrates me a lot with this. Like, I'm going to vote for this uh, when we get mm-hmm. to our awards. And will it get nominated for the MPP Film Awards? Probably not. But you know what? I mean, like, I th- that's what I believe. Um, now, what does that mean for Oscars? I have no fucking idea. (laughs) Yeah. This could go any which way. I mean, we're looking at a day where it's just Bale and Adams nominated, maybe on its worst Mm -hmm. day, uh, just the two of them. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at a day where it does get the picture, McKay gets director, it gets screenplay, editing, makeup, and the two acting nominations. I think that the the interesting nature of the Oscar nominations since they happen last, essentially, is that you have the longest to sit with the movies for that awards cycle. So I don't see, I see Vice being like three billboards just intensified. <laughs> sure. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because no, like, where the backlash affected three billboards, chances that a win here. Uh, because it kind of came yeah. earlier, it might affect its nominations. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I see Bale, I see Adams, I see maybe makeup. I think editing might be one of those things where I think a lot of people mistake visible editing with good editing. Yeah, that's very and true. So I think it might get in for editing for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hated the oh, yeah. Big Shorts uh, editing nomination. I hate that it almost beat Mad Max Fury Road uh, for editing. I was like biting my nails, hoping it wasn't going to happen. Um, right. I did not like the editing in this, but like I could see people being like, what movie had a lot of editing in it? Oh, Vice. exactly. Just write that one down. I think people that are maybe not editors, um, but know what editing is, will look at this and be like, yeah, Vice had great editing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I saw it and I noticed it and therefore right. it must have been good, right? That exactly. I yeah. So that's what I see it for mm-hmm. on its best day. Honestly, I don't think it'll get a best picture now. I mean, it might. So here's what I'm going to say about best picture for a minute. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last mm, two weeks or so. The movie that this most reminds me of, and I, and granted, I understand this movie was more well-received. This movie reminds me a lot of the reception that the Wolf of Wall Street received a few years ago. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. see that. Less F words. And also stylistically too. Uh, in a lot of ways. Wolf of Wall Street was this three-hour-long, um, very well-edited uh, movie, even though it was three hours long, with this, you know, 
larger-than-life central performance that was for a very unlikable character that a lot of people were very, very upset about because they were, you know, well, I don't know why I have to spend three hours, you know, rooting for this guy, and I don't understand what Scorsese's intention was with this, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I'm, and I'm not like I know that the comparison is a little, it's a little flimsy. You can see the parallel though. I think I think that holds up. Yeah, I, I mean that's what it feels like to me in many ways. And so uh, this year, man, this this whole year, when we're talking about a year where A Quiet Place, which has a lot of holes in its screenplay. Yeah. Is being considered for screenplay. for screenplay. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, which got completely annihilated by critics, but yet is somehow in the best picture conversation. <laughs> I mean, Black Panther, the first superhero movie ever being a, a best picture contender right now. I, Mary Poppins doesn't have the strongest review, but it's in the hunt. Like this year to me is just so like out of whack that I could very, very easily see a day where Academy members are like, I love Christian Bale. I love Amy Adams. I really like McKay, what he's trying to do here. I hate Trump. I'm going to vote for Vice. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, the nominations are about passion. Mm-hmm. And and listening to you, Matt, defend it, you have the kind of passion that could, if, if it's matched by enough Academy members, we'll, I see it getting six. Yeah. Well, well, Vice, the thing about Vice is it's, is it's not going to get in on being a bunch of people's number three it's got to be number one on uh what is it three was it 300 350 people i think it is have to put it in number one ballpark yeah this movie is divisive enough where it's only going to get in if it's a bunch of people's number one choice because not enough people are going to put it at number three because you either love it or hate it it seems yeah, I I think it's definitely a it's either a yeah you're right it's not going to be a two or three movie it's a one or it's a one or it's not on the ballot probably yeah. <laughs> like, and so and so I I would be surprised if enough people have it as their number one just because of all like just because of all the other movies that are coming out I think there's an old guard within the academy um, that voted for movies like Darkest Hours still last year, if that would still mm-hmm. go for something like this. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, it might be it might be a darkest for... hour, which yeah. which was another stinging point for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a spot for a film like that. Historical politics. That's Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I will say this the weakest element, I think I think the thing it's most likely to not get a nomination for is Adam McKay. Yeah. yeah. And then I'd say the screenplay is next. And then I'd say picture. Because I still could see it getting picture and missing out on McKay and screenplay. If that, I, I could still see that happening because of the passion vote, like Celia said. Yeah. Anything else? I thought Sam Rockwell was good. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was going to say, I thought he was entertaining. <laughs> I feel like Bush is such a, a caricature esque person. Anyway, I, I guess thought, I didn't find yeah. it too big of a leap. I thought he was a welcome addition. Like I was entertained by it, but I wouldn't. That's what I would say. I was in a, it, yeah. absolutely yeah. not a nomination, but Just, when he was yeah. on, I I uh, I found myself entertained. I guess that's what I'm saying. Even when he got the Golden Globe nomination, I was like, really, really? Uh, well, okay. That's, that's and, yeah, yeah. I because I agree with Tom that Carell definitely gives the stronger performance, but I do want to say I do like Rockwell's performance. I found it enjoyable. Mm. Okay, alrighty. Well, with that said, uh, JD Duran, thank you so much for joining us for uh, this. Yeah really entertaining review of Vice here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Um, Tell all of our great listeners where they can find you on the internet, sir. 
Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you all. This was a lot of fun. You can find everything about us at InSessionFilm.com. So you can find links to the podcast there, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, our social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have written reviews on the website as well. Again, everything there at InSessionFilm.com. All right, Celia Shalekwe. You can follow me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Films Unstuck. Tom O'Brien. You can find me on Twitter at, at Thomas E. O'Brien. Danilo Castro. You can find me on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. And Josh Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Williams 09. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Vice here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate any feedback that you can offer us. A review of five stars will also help us to get discovered by more people. So we really, really would appreciate that. And also, too, if you're feeling generous, head on over to our Patreon page, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.